Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode four. Chris, hello. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you doing? I'm, <laughs> I was doing well. <laughs> I have four fewer teeth than when we last spoke. Uh, and it was going so well. It, it was, I, I had done all this research on exactly what getting your teeth out is like and felt really good about the decision of who I went with. And the day of the surgery was great. And the, the anesthesiologist was so nice. And uh, I had a whole conversation with her under, under anesthesia that I didn't remember afterwards, which was delightful. Uh, and got home and had like the whole aftercare. We're just jamming. We're doing great. I had the ice packs. Uh, very good job parenting myself, taking care of myself. Yesterday was a series of days where swelling and pain and everything had been going down. Yesterday was day seven. Day seven is the first day where you can irrigate your new mouth holes as per the instructions. And Chris, a little backstory. I had been experiencing this like strange, vague, nutty sensation and a little flake of something really gross and white came out of my mouth and it like just reeked of this nutty, strange, rancid smell. And I was like, oh, okay, take this out. Problem solved. Yesterday morning, I irrigate my mouth holes for the first time. <laughs> the two top ones, no problem, a piece of cake. Bottom right one, ooh, a little, little funky, a little weird. Bottom left one, I've never experienced anything more disgusting <laughs> than, <laughs> than my mouth being suddenly filled with seven-day-old little pieces of rotten food that just reeked of this dank odor and I was like oh my god it almost threw up and then I spit it all in the sink and then the smell hit me again and I'm like, oh my god and then, like just the knowledge the knowledge that that came from my mouth was just uh, I've, I've never experienced anything more terrible <laughs> I've I've lived a very privileged life that like that's that's one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. but like oh my god it was traumatic so most of yesterday was spent just like cleaning my mouth. Today's going much better. Uh, I, I feel like I've figured it out. Uh, but overall, I'm very proud of like, I had surgery seven days ago. And I feel like I was back to like 60% uh, productive getting stuff done at like day four, and like back to 90% uh, the day before this happened. <laughs> and now, now I feel like I've, I've bounced back. I feel like I'm back at like, I don't know, 80, 85%. Uh, we're we're doing really well. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, the smell was very surprising. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be able to, to erase that from my mind. Uh, that's, that's how I'm doing. I'd like to thank you for editing the podcast last week. You did a great job. It was so good. Uh, I, I was under so many drugs uh, in the time where I would have been editing the video. So I appreciate you taking it up. Yeah, no problem. It was a great way to start this podcast too with the... <laughs> Podcast title, <laughs> Christian's Smelly Mouth Holes. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's jump right into it. Uh, I have some questions I'd like to ask you about Meeting Place, but first, I was surprised this morning to see a tweet from you that you've started a new thing. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about async.dev? What, what is this? Yeah, I sure did. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, so there's lots I could say, but async is something that I so I registered the domain name like uh, like all good domain names a while ago, and it's been it's been something that's been knocking around my head for a year or so, and um, so the, the idea quickly is a sort of private Twitter feed for your company, 
So it's supposed to replace like stand-up bots, for example. Um, a lot of people do stand-ups in Slack. Or, well, they either do it on video, which is kind of a big waste of time often, or they do it in Slack, where Slack is kind of a place for real-time communication. It's not the best place for stand-ups. So the idea in my head is a, a place where an internal you know, company could have updates kind of ongoing throughout the day, sort of like Twitter for companies. Um. So, yeah, surprising that I started it because last week I was all about getting certain things running with Meeting Place. Um, there are several reasons why I started something new. Uh, one, and probably least important, was that Tailwind 2 came out and I wanted something oh. to try it on. Um, so I, I got async set up and ready to go. And then yesterday, uh, upgraded to Tailwind 2, which went pretty well. And uh, it's nice and fancy. Um, it, yeah, so that so that went pretty well. Um also, so this week has kind of been the last, the, the first week in like six months that I felt um, interested and energized and productive. Uh, and I, I'm not the only person uh, that I know to say that either. I think there were two vaccine candidates announced this week. There, the presidential election is mostly over. The, you know, there are all these things where that are good after months of, you know, just terrible or long drawn out news. Um, yeah. So I wanted to experience again, what we, last time we dubbed, uh, you dubbed it manic, uh, mania and I dubbed it a uh, hyperproductive mode. Um, and, and I felt it again. And so with this, with this acing project, so that's kind of why I started it. Um, yeah. And so the idea is to time box, uh, you know, build it as fast as I can and, and see what I can get done in, in just a few days. Neat. I am also very excited for Tailwind 2. How is that? What, what's what's new in Tailwind 2? There's a lot of stuff that's new. Um, the The quick answer is that if you don't want to change anything, then you don't have to change very much. Um, I went through their whole upgrade document. There are a few classes they got rid of, a few that they added. Um, uh, but the uh, the so the short answer is you don't have to change much if you don't want to. Hmm. Um, the long longer answer is they added a bunch of cool new stuff, and so uh, yeah. Um, Neat. I'm excited to try it. Uh, that very consistently trying out new fun tools like that is so energizing for me. And I think that's that's a very important aspect of what we're doing, being solo bootstrap uh, software founders of like the the uh, managing your own energy, making sure that you're doing work that you find rewarding and exciting uh, is so important. So. Yeah, I'm I'm all for uh, doing fun projects that that you're feeling the inspiration for in the moment. I think in your tweet you said you thought it would take you a day, and you're on day three now. Uh, pulling back a little bit, maybe maybe starting to get a little bit more critical of like the balance of this and meeting place. Uh, what's the what's the plan? Is this something where it's just kind of a fun project? Uh, harness your creative energy, get more familiar with Dell and two. Is this something that you think has overlap with meeting place? Is this potentially something that you would want to work work on instead of meeting place how are you framing that yeah so it's i don't think it has any overlap with meeting place um it is potentially something that i make and then no one ever uses uh, mm. i think that i'm okay with that right now um but i also think you know I, i've had several people reach out so they want to try it when it when it um gets going so mm. it could potentially be something that you know turns into a mini product and maybe even bigger later um it is different than meeting place significantly in that it's definitely business to business, whereas meeting place is business to 
it's not really B to C, but it's um, it's like business to organizer, and those organizers are often consumers, um, not businesses. So it it's just kind of a different um, a a different way to sell things, um, and so it was interesting from that perspective also, um, and also, yeah. So I I kind of wanted to just try it out, see what happens. Um, and it's something, like I said, that I've been thinking about for like a year. So I thought it was time to actually get it out in the world. Yeah. Love it. With COVID, I've had so many little projects like that, that I've just been chewing on for, I don't know, the, the better part of the last decade where uh, things shuffled around enough that it made sense to reprioritize those. And my toolkit of being able to build things is much more sophisticated now. And I was able to, oh, there's, I, I could list off like half a dozen little things that I think would fit in a similar category for you of things that I just want to exist that <laughs> I, I feel, uh, uh, oh, not obsessed. What's, what's the word of, uh, in the, in the exorcists, uh, possessed, I feel possessed by the muse of this idea that it, it's just trying to get out into the world. And the only way for it to get out is through my brain. And, uh, I, I just have to make it, uh, and it's, oh, it's, it's so rewarding and so much fun. And that, that type of project for me is, uh, not rare is the wrong word, but there's when, when I hit on a vein of this work is so fun and so enjoyable and potentially useful to, to, to someone else, uh, I, I cannot stop myself from just like doing it. Uh, so I, I relate strongly to that. Um, I'm curious about the audience that you most want to be serving. You you have this audience of uh, developers through your Twitter account that follow you through Egghead and through other career things that you've done. Uh, that type of audience seems to be a group of people that would be much more interested in a tool like um, like async.dev. Uh, your, the, the audience that you have now doesn't seem to be overlapping with uh, Meeting Place. That, that seems like a separate audience. So I'm, I'm going through this uh, YouTuber Academy with Ali Abdal that I'll, I'll get into later, but it has me in the mindset of thinking much more about audience first of like, who are the people that I want to serve very precisely? You know, what is their name? How old are they? <laughs> what did they want to be when they grew up? Uh, <laughs> what did they have for breakfast this morning? Uh, getting as clear as possible of a picture of someone who I am excited to help uh, for me has me much more clarified in uh, the, the type of marketing work that's going to make the most sense going forward with everything that I'm working on. Uh, how are you framing that of like, in talking about who the audience is for Meeting Place, uh, it seems like that that person is not clarified yet. Uh, you, you don't yet know who the person is who benefits from Meeting Place. Uh, there are different types of people who might, but haven't really picked one in particular that, that would benefit from it. Um, seems like for async.dev, the, the audience for that is much clearer and it's an audience that you already have. Uh, I guess if, if you were, <laughs> if you were an alien consciousness that just landed in Chris's brain right in this moment, uh, and you could sort of look around and take scope of, okay, well, here are all the options I have available. Here are all the things I could potentially be working on. Uh, what, what audience delights you to help? Who's, who's the person who you love helping 
uh, more than anyone else. Yeah, so it's a, I like that way of framing it too. Um, and I have some interesting news on that front also. Um, so I'll start though with async. So yeah, async definitely fits more closely with like say people who follow me on Twitter or know about me through that um, vein, because, partly because it's basically like the audience for async is every company that I've worked for ever, right? It's, it's, it's like me at, at a company. And so I'm, I'm the audience or I have been in the past. Um, and a lot of developers follow me, right? And so, yeah, developers who work on remote teams, which is everyone right now, is basically the, the audience. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot about that audience to like, which is, uh, or at least that market, right? I, I know it very well. I know how to reach them. Um, I know, you know, what they need uh, or what I think I would need. So, uh, and um, so, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm pretty excited about, you know, potentially doing some, what I think is low hanging fruit for async to try to get it in the hands of people who, who might use it um, mm-hmm. on the meeting place side. So I had a, a couple interesting conversations recently with someone who reached out and uh, it's a community builder. She's been building communities for a long time and is doing something similar to meeting place. And so now we're thinking about ways to partner up um, potentially. And uh, so, that, so that's super interesting to me because you're right that I, didn't really have the audience overlap with meeting place, but she does for sure. Um, and so uh, that potentially be a, a really interesting thing. Um, and, you know, may, maybe nothing happens from it, or maybe it's what we build is something that's slightly different than meeting place. We're not sure yet. Um, and so I'll talk more about that when I know more, but um, that is one way. So, so I'm really excited to serve the market that meeting place offers, which is kind of this community focus, um, you know, has this community focus, but myself, I don't necessarily have the way to reach those people without doing a lot of extra work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of how I think about the two. Async is, I have the audience, I know how to reach them. Um, meeting place, I was excited to serve them, but I, I didn't necessarily have the same reach into that audience. Um, but, but I might if, if I end up partnering with someone who does. I love the idea of partnering with someone who already has access to this audience. I, I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic about uh, potential partnership. I think that uh, makes the company much more complicated. Now it's, it, it becomes much more about your relationship with this other person and how you are splitting responsibility and um, making sure that you're each contributing uh, an equal amount. Um, but on the surface, like absolutely. The, the thing that it sounds like you've been struggling with is getting in touch with an audience and having a clear understanding of who the people are who needs this. Well, a community builder is, uh, that's the person who needs this. Like, uh, and the, the people in her network are presumably other community builders and other people who have this problem. So yeah, that, that sounds perfect. Um, I'd love to go through a thought experiment of, uh, let's say, I don't know, you, you sell your current code base to this community builder or, or work out something where you're sort of just the tech lead on that and she's taking care of that. And we go whole hog into async.dev. Who is the ideal person to use async.dev? So it is teams of developers. So th- what I'm building it for at first is small companies, call it 10, 20 people mm-hmm. who uh so so that your whole feed can be the whole company right um 
and then what I'm building next into it is tags and teams and groups. Um, but that's going to come later. So the idea is small companies who probably use a stand-up bot and don't like it for some reason, mm-hmm. um, or they have a current, like say 9 a.m. stand-up, but they um, but there are people who are sick of that, which is a lot of people, um, or it is people with multiple time zones. So um, basically, it's developers, so small companies of developers who, for some reason or other, don't want to do you know like a a video stand up every day, but still want to know what's going on, you know, who's working on what when, basically. I'm liking this. I'd like to clarify it a little bit. Companies who don't, uh, companies who use a stand-up bot but don't like it for some reason, they're they're frustrated with some aspect of it. What's an example of a reason why someone might be frustrated with the stand-up bot? So the most common one I've heard so far is, so a stand-up bot will say once a day, "What are you working on?" Which is usually in the morning, um, and they'll say something, but then something up in the day, something else will come up during the day. They'll finish that, and so the next day they have to say the same thing for the stand-up bot. It looks like they haven't done anything. Really, they did this whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like for a few days in a row, they, they like say the same thing, uh, to the standup bot. And so I've asked, I, I kind of asked them, you know, have you ever gone back and try to change what you were working on or whatever? Um, and th- so most standup bots don't really allow for that kind of thing. Like you can always post again in the Slack channel. Um, but then, like I said, Slack is kind of, it's more in a ethereal kind of like real time communication tool it doesn't feel like a place where you go to give status updates. And so if you switch something, you know, you, you don't even think about typing a new status until the next day when the status bot uh, status or the stand up bot pings you. Um, so that's the most common thing I've heard from that. Um, the, the other thing is like stand up bots are a thing. And with a stand up, if I do async and a Slack integration, then I could easily turned it into a stand-up bot, basically. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a market that I know exists already. So it's mm. because it does exist, but yeah. That that sounds annoying that you can't uh, update it. And I could see potentially that, uh, that that looks sort of embarrassing that like you're saying the same thing two days in a row that you were working on. Is that is that pain that people are feeling with this? What's... What's the pain that people are feeling in this process that would justify switching to a whole new thing? They've already got the stand-up bot. It's already integrated in Slack. It's already a system that works. Uh, what, what's what's the reason why... What's the, what's the feeling that would motivate them to be looking for something else? Yeah, so I haven't 100% figured that out yet. <laughs> um, th- so what I just talked about is something that the developers feel. So I've talked mm-hmm. to multiple developers now who feel that. Um, so I don't know if I'd, it's a pain so much as kind of an annoying thing. It makes them not want to use the stand-up bot because it's kind of like, well, whatever. Um, I talked to someone else who j- they just turned off their stand-up bot because like they hated, like every day I was asking them for a thing. And it was like, so I have to dig into that a little more. Um, uh, one of the things that I definitely want to do, though, is that stand-up bots don't do it all, is better integration into things like GitHub issue tracking, Jira, Asana, that kind of thing. So you could say, like, I'm working on issue number whatever. It would automatically pull it from GitHub. Um, and then after that, one thing that I thought of is kind of like a breakdown chart for project managers. So it's like, you know, here are the issues being worked on. Here's, you know, they were started worked on, you know, like seven days ago. They were, you know, so 
I feel like there's something there, like real tight integration with issue trackers or project management trackers um, could do a lot, especially because I, ha I have this pet peeve with time tracking, um, which is funny because your, one of your whole things is about time <laughs> tracking. But when it comes to project management specifically, like if you say something took four hours, you don't know if it took four hours over a week or four hours in one afternoon or, mm. and so, um, and I guess you could get that information if you log real time data, right? But I feel like there's maybe a better way to track hours if you have some status update mechanism tied in more closely to your issue tracker. Um, so those are things I'm thinking about. I do not know which one of those will resonate yet. Makes sense. I think you can totally justify working on this project of like the, the way you introduced it is just that this is fun and you want to play with that, that is that is my current yeah, yeah. if i'm if i'm pushing back on this idea critically i think i would say uh the you you have the audience which is great i think that's a, a very attractive piece of this project the the person who would potentially be using this is a person who you have a much more clarified idea of who they are and what they want and the problems they have. What I'm not currently hearing is the the negative emotion that they're feeling in the moment of like, I feel ashamed when my boss looks at the things that I've uh, done in my time tracker uh, or in the for the stand-up bot uh, because it looks like I was looking at, uh, it, it looks like I was working on the same thing four days in a row and I actually wasn't. Uh, that's the that's the crunchy piece of like what I would want to be hearing that would justify spending a lot more time on this would be, uh, you know, I talked to these five people who it was very easy to have the conversations. I just sent out a tweet and said, hey, can I book you for a quick call? Um, and in all of the five conversations, they all mentioned how annoying the stand-up was, but like that's annoying is fine. <laughs> yeah, annoying is not a reason to to switch to a new project. Um, but they all said this exact phrase. They all said like, it, it sucks when I feel like I haven't gotten any work done. Uh, if you can get that, I think this project as a business would be further ahead than where you are with meeting place right now. Uh, because you have the solid audience. I think you have what, like 5,000 Twitter followers that if you can really nail in, you know, if, if you put out a tweet, that's like, Hey, you know how you feel insert negative emotion here when insert the time when that negative emotion happens. Uh, here's the thing to fix that. And here's a snazzy little demo and a, a, a video that would kill. Uh, and to get to that point, I think it's, it's sort of the same problem with meeting place of just having more conversations with people and figuring out what the, what the thing is. I think you have a lot of really cool ideas for integrations and things, but those are, those are features. Those are, those are cool things that it would do. I'm not, I'm not hearing the core, this is the negative emotion that I prevent for you. Or maybe it's flipped. Maybe you can do something that the stand-up bots don't do of uh, being able to answer the question, how much time did you spend during which parts of the day? Maybe that's a, uh, maybe that would evoke such a positive emotion in people that the dream of being able to have that, I don't know, in a report, what's what's the result of that that, that would get people excited? That yeah. uh, I, I think it... That's the part that gets project managers excited, probably not the developers. I think the developers would be more excited by um, the other the other stuff. Cool. The getting st standups out of Slack. Yeah. So maybe maybe you talk to a few project managers, and uh, from that you uh, get the sense 
of what they want, what their dream would be of being able to see what their team was working on, especially now in COVID, things have been turned upside down and uh, <laughs> managers, I'm sure, are looking for better ways to be keeping track of their teams remotely, uh, especially the ones that have like gone through the transition to be remote. So maybe after those conversations, you put together, uh, what if you had a sheet that looked like this for all of your employees and you mock up a thing that shows exactly what the thing is? and uh, if you show that to managers and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, exactly. That's exactly what I need. Please take my money. That would be another avenue forward of uh, being able to work on this. Uh, and also, like, <laughs> I dug deep on this, <laughs> trying to trying to turn it into a business. It's perfectly fine and justified if you just want to work on it. <laughs> so, a, little, a little brain baby that needs to pop out into the world. Uh, yeah, I've, I've totally been there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like what you, so the phrase I heard you say, which I've heard before, is the yes, exactly phrase. Um, yeah, if you can find out what people make, what what um, makes people say yes, exactly, then you've definitely got something on your hands. So uh, yeah, I'm going to, I know what I want to exist in the first version. So I'm going to put that out there. And then uh, I think it would be a good idea to try to get it in front of people and then try to make them say uh, yes, exactly. I think that's great. Cool. Uh, how about you? You send an update uh, to me saying you spectacularly failed on your goals. <laughs> so sure you want to talk about that. So my goal was to do a hundred and what did I say? One hundred and forty. Is that right? Hundred eighty. Uh, hundred eighty uh, minutes per week working on file inbox. I did not even have to total the minutes that I spent uh, <laughs> working in file inbox last week because the total was zero. I spent. Zero time last week on file inbox, uh, which this is this is like work that I'm classifying as it has to be focused work within a Pomodoro, uh, and it has to be work that's pushing forward development. So the, the time that I spent on like customer support emails, which is marginal, uh, doesn't count. And I can sort of excuse that for like the three first days of surgery. That that's that's not a situation in which in the future I would expect myself to be productive. I think I. I think I did the things that I needed to do uh, in the moment for that. And looking forward, the days after that were sort of tumultuous of like, there's new things popping up, but now I have to catch up on the stuff that I was thinking about the last three days. And uh, there's, there's more friction. I think in the future, I could set up a situation for myself in which I was still able to get things done uh, in, in the days after the first three days of surgery. And so I'm changing that goal to be, I spend at least one Pomodoro uh, on file inbox every day. And I have this whole morning routine that uh, solved this sort of problem. I, I ran into a similar issue with uh, customer support emails. It just took me like, it took me the better part of five years to get a, a healthy routine for customer support emails. That mm -hmm. The routine that I slipped into was like this boom and bust, uh, <laughs> manic depressive, like, all right, I'm going to go through all the customer support emails. All right, it's, it's done to zero. I've spent the last two days on customer support emails. All right, I can take the next day off. Okay, I'll take the next day off. It's, there's not that many in there. And then, you know, that, that pile slowly builds with my anxiety about doing the customer support right. emails. And then I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll never get it done. And now there's 200 in the inbox. And now I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to go through all of them again. Uh, that's not a, a healthy way to do that. So the way that I fix that is something that we talked about previously of celebrating after I do them. And also making it just like as stupidly simple to start. So the, the way that I'm able to do them every day now is I have this beautifully polished morning routine where I wake up. As soon as I wake up, I uh, grab a bottle of water and I put my shoes on and I go for a walk. And that's a very easy thing to do now. It's, it's almost automatic. And as soon as I get back, I'm feeling hungry. So I make breakfast. And then as soon as I make breakfast, I come up to my desk 
and I set my schedule. That's just the thing that happens. I don't even have to think about it. That's of course, of course, that's the next thing I do. And setting the schedule determines what I'm going to do after my little morning work, work routine. Uh, as soon as I'm done setting my schedule, I meditate. As soon as I'm done meditating, I have it's like a little keyboard shortcut. I immediately go into the groovy mails. It's it's frictionless. It's just like yes, of course, this is the next step in uh, in the routine. And then after I finish those, I do a little dance. And this is where I'm going to insert uh, file inbox. Currently, I after that do personal emails. And the change I'm making for this next week is after customer support emails for file inbox. I'm already in the file inbox mindset. I'm already in that mode of thinking, of uh, thinking about how, uh, you know, maybe maybe a customer has told me a thing that they want to improve and uh, I've had someone say something nice about my product. Uh, the very next thing I want to happen after that is spending 25 minutes pushing file inbox forward uh, on the development side, um, which feels easy and feels very attainable. And there's, there's no reason why, well, there's no reason I can think of why that would fail at that moment. Uh, so that's that's the learning, uh, re readjusting my goals for uh, last week. Importantly, like uh, I think it would be very easy for me to slip into feeling like a piece of shit of like, I, I was talking so much last episode about how easy this would be to, to do 180 minutes uh, that I could do that like in a day. Uh, and I don't like, uh, I definitionally could not have done anything differently if we're living in a deterministic universe. That's sort of like a, a state machine. Uh, so it's useful for, for useful. It's the most useful for me to be, uh, charitable towards myself and be thinking about how can I, uh, at, at what point in this process do I have the power to change what I do in the future. Uh, that's how the file inbox goal went. Uh, I have three other things I'd like to talk about. Uh, sure. do, do you have any comments or pushback on this? No, I was going to say um, what, you, what you're talking about reminded me a lot of James Clear's Atomic, Habit, Atomic Habits, um, which is like, if you can build up the habit, then you don't really have to worry about the outcome because it'll take care of itself. So um, yeah, I think pushing on on building the habit is, is a great great idea. That's so funny. That's exactly where this came from. Yeah. <laughs> that was precisely my motivation for might have been yep. putting together this uh, this routine. Cool. Uh, on the file inbox marketing side, I have my work carved out for doing this development thing. That's going to last. You know, I said a month last week. I got nothing <laughs> done this last week, so it's it's still a month. Um, and I had a great conversation with a friend uh, who runs a similar business talking about different marketing ideas. And something that uh, I was talking about with her that I'm now very excited about is doing more customer interviews. We've been talking so much about how important it is to talk to customers. I have a spreadsheet that I've done nothing with that categorizes my customers by the industry that they're in. Mm. And so I think what I'd like to do is figure out what the best uh, cohort of those people is to focus on. And I'd, I'd love your help figuring that out. I'm not sure how to determine that. Is it like, is it the most number of people? Is it like who I'm making the most money from? Is it uh, the, the highest percentage of higher tier plans? Is it just the one that sounds the coolest that I want to <laughs> talk to the most? Uh, but once I pick that cohort, I want to systematically go through. And now that I have this great pipeline of like, through editing our podcast and through uh, practicing more things in the video space, 
I feel like I'm much more confident doing things with video for content. So I want to just call all of them up. Uh, I don't have that many paying customers, it's like, <laughs> uh, like 800 or something. So if you took any specific cohort, it's going to be like, I don't know, 100 people. I feel like I could very reasonably interview 100 people. Uh, and I'll reach out to all of them and I don't know, maybe, maybe 30 respond. Uh, and then with those 30 interviews, that I think is going to give me so much clarity into the direction that I want to take development with uh, this new platform being serverless and giving me a lot more space and freedom to, to be able to do some crazier things. Uh, and that's just now a content generating machine. I have a Twitter account for File Inbox that has been horribly neglected <laughs> uh, and a Facebook page and uh, uh, an email list and a uh, website that ranks very highly for SEO but does not have a lot of content. Uh, I experimented with putting some content up there and it did so well. Uh, so I think the more content I have up there, the, the more that'll be magnified. So if I'm going through this process of interviewing all of the, I don't know, accountants or sign printers and doing it in a way that they're on video and uh, making sure that that's okay with them and doing some cross uh, promotion of like, oh, if you need some signs, go to Joe's sign shop. Um, that, that feels like a very straightforward process that I'm also very excited about doing. Uh, because that's that's this thing that I really enjoy of talking to cool new people and editing videos and practicing my workflow of uh, producing those. What do you think about that as as the first marketing plan after this new platform gets launched? Yeah, so um, I think it's great to talk to your current customers. Um, you asked about how to find your best customers. Um, some of that's just going to be your intuition, right? You probably have some intuition about that. Um, the classic metrics you would probably look at are like churn. So you want the lowest churn customers, um, people, customers who are more likely to pay more for some one reason or another. Um, I also kind of had this idea about like robustness of use. So like someone who has to use it once a year, but keeps paying for it anyway, it probably doesn't feel like that like like it's it's almost like an accident they pay for it the rest of the year. Whereas yeah. if you have find someone who has to use it every day um, and it's really integrated into their systems that feels like a customer where um, not only could you probably get more of them faster, but also you could probably solve adjacent problems for them mm. uh, if they're already using your tool like every day. Um, so those were the thoughts that I had. And also, yeah, who do you like serving more? Who, when they, when you see a customer, you know, email from them, you don't go, Ugh. you know, <laughs> don't, don't pick those people, but um, yeah. Lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I dated a lawyer. It was, it was awful. Uh, <laughs> parts of it were great. Um, the, okay. I like, I like robustness. That's not a metric I was thinking of. Uh, yeah. If you're, I, I know exactly the two types of customers you're talking about. Uh, and the one who uses it continually is much better because, oh, it's, it's so, it's so demoralizing when someone sends me an email that's like, oh, hey, we forgot that this was a thing and we right. just got a bill from you. Could you cancel our account and refund us? Because now I'm thinking like, well, geez, how many customers do I have like this? How, how much of this MRR is fake? It's just right. I'm charging someone an amount of money that is not substantial enough to them to care uh, to send me an email. And at any point, they could send me an email and be like, hey, refund us as much as you can, uh, as much as you feel like is fair. I, I, I hate that. Yeah. Um, and I know exactly how I would measure that too. I can just look at the, I have metadata on like when people have sent, when people have received a file. Um, 
so I guess I'm just looking at how regular is that? How, cause it's not just files per time period. I guess I would break it up into like months and then I would want to see that it's even. So if, if I have number of files transferred per month, so I have like month name, a hash of month name, and then the amount of files per month, I would want to see that those numbers are uh, tightly coupled, that it's not, it's not like zero and then 10,000, it's like 500 every month. Yeah, it may be that. It may be a little more complicated than that. I'm thinking about the accountant case, like you get spikes in April for sure for taxes, right? Um, and so it may be a little more complicated than that. But yeah, something that shows you that they're not like, I think I think like any metric that shows that they're using it mm. consistently, whatever consistently means is going to help there. How do you mathematically measure consistency? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> but, um, what's the SQL query to find yeah. these users? Well, I mean, like, so you said you have like uh, 800 customers, maybe you or and you split them, say, into eight cohorts of by industry um, and just graph all their usages for the past year or something. Um, or or like, hmm, I don't know, maybe you start like pull just 20 random customers and graph their usage for the last you know year broken up by a week or something. And then I bet you'll see trends that you can uh, kind of more precisely figure out. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good idea. Just look at the graphs and then see. Because I could, I can imagine after looking at the graphs, just seeing, oh, I'm looking for <laughs> a, a flat graph as opposed to a, a spiky graph. Right, um, exactly. You, you may also have, you said break it up by industry, um, but I could definitely see within an industry even. So like you have high priced accountants and super low priced accountants. Yeah. And my guess is the low priced accountants want to pay you less and have more complaints than the high priced accountants. Yeah. Um, so you may break it up that way too, or break it up more than just industry. That makes sense. Neat. Uh, two more exciting things. I started the part-time YouTuber Academy from Ali Abdal, which I mentioned earlier is why I'm in this mode of thinking about my audience. And it's so much fun and it's so interesting. It's fun because it's sort of this different medium of uh, the, the output is video, which is so much easier than code. It's, it's just a performance and you like edit it together if you know Final Cut Pro, uh, much less technically challenging. But it's it's all the same stuff. It's It's, it's still about identify who your audience is and what their pain is and how you can help them. And uh, the seeing this from, from a completely different side and still noticing that it's the same underlying messages and lessons that uh, you get from the microcomp space and the, the micropreneur space has been so reinforcing of like, oh yeah, of course, these are the important things. Of course, I need to know who my customer is. And of course I need to pick a group of people who I want to help. And it doesn't, it it almost doesn't matter what the medium is that I'm helping them in. Uh, maybe it's code, maybe that makes the most sense, but maybe it's a video tutorial series. Uh, you've certainly found that on Egghead. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's a, a book, maybe it's a, a coaching call. Um, but the, the core thing to be focused on that I'm, clarifying for myself is the person who you're helping and what their pain is, which is a lesson that I've heard so many times, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's clarifying to hear it one more time from this angle. I'm, I'm walking through it in this different context. I'm better able to uh, figure it out. Fun, uh, little delightful snack that I figured out. 
Rob Fitzpatrick, the author of one of both of our favorite books, The Mom Test, is in this class. And so awesome. I got to chat with him about it. Uh, yeah. So if uh, I was thinking he'd be, be a fun person to have on uh, after Moitza. Oh, we need to we need to book that. And have <laughs> right. Uh, I think Rob Fitz, Fitzpatrick would actually make more sense for the the problems that we're both grappling with right now. Uh, but yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see like it's it's a very small world of people doing these kinds of things. Uh, it's fun. Marie Poulin's also in the class, and I was talking with someone who was bragging like, "Ooh, I got to uh, I got to interview Marie Poulin on my podcast," and I was like, "Oh, she's one of my best friends." Like, <laughs> I've known her through the microcom thing for uh, before she was big, before she was she was the famous. Uh, one last thing, and that's all I have. My new M1 MacBook Pro got delivered and is currently sitting in a box. Oh, buddy. In St. Louis. Oh, no. <laughs> it's been there for two days. And I am so excited for Thanksgiving to see my family. And also, <laughs> for this new MacBook, the next time we talk, I will have the same number of teeth as I do right now. And I will have been using my new MacBook for several days. I have watched so many YouTube videos about how fast <laughs> this new M1 processor is. Oh, Chris, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm just giddy. I, it's been so long since I felt this excitement about uh, an Apple product. Uh, oh, it's, I'm so excited. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. I was watching probably the same YouTube videos, and it seems really awesome. So, Are you I, one? Are you okay? No, no. I just, I just upgraded uh, six months ago or so. Um, because my old one, so my old one had said service battery for about a year. And so I said, I really need a new laptop in case this one catches on fire. <laughs> so I bought a new laptop, which I'm very happy with. Um, so yeah, I'll probably wait until they, I also like a slightly bigger screen than the 13 inch. So I'll probably wait until they get the 15 inch M2 or whatever they, they do. Yep. Yep, yep. I am so excited to see what the M2s do because the M1s are insane. <laughs> this is yeah. this is the slowest Apple Silicon uh, chipset that Apple will ever make. Uh, and also, I think I was I was due for an upgrade. I'm sort of envious of being in your position of not needing to upgrade and being able to wait it out because I think new form factors are coming out soon. Maybe touch screens. Uh, so you'll you'll be on the on the fancy new hardware. Uh, yeah. I, I'm so I'm so interested to see my cousin's reaction. When I when I open up the box and like pull this laptop out, and he's like, "That looks exactly the same as your current laptop." That's right. <laughs> Why were you so excited about this? There's there is no difference. Uh, cool. Um, I forgot to ask you, what is your goal for next week? You are wrapping up the work on async.dev. Uh, last week, your goals were to consolidate all your email lists and quote mop up half a dozen smaller things. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did not do that. Um, I, I did do I did do a couple of the half a dozen things. Um, yeah, this week I want to uh, finish up the first version of async dev, which means getting at least one person other than me on it, um, which I'm close to now. I'll probably finish it up tomorrow. Um, then I'll, I'll see how that goes. I mean, there's, you know, like that project is big enough that I could spend a lot of time on it. I don't necessarily want to until I get more people on it. So um, but that's what I'll do tomorrow. And then, so this this potential partnership I talked about with this community builder, um, we 
uh, have figured out what a, a first small project looks like that we could do together to see, you know, if we like look, working together, what are our various strengths and, and you know, all of that. Um, I did not, so we can talk about this in a future episode, maybe when I have some, you know, more information about the whole situation. But the one thing that you hear is never start a company with someone you just met. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I like you, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, it seems like a really good fit, but I don't want to just jump into something right away without, you know, um, figuring out if we work well together. So, yep. yeah, so I have another project. Uh, so I have a project with her coming up at the start of next week. And then, and then it's Thanksgiving. So I probably will try to take some time off. So cool. How about you? That's good. I am going to work for one Pomodoro every weekday after my Groovy mails on File Inbox, pushing it forward. And I have goals for the YouTuber Academy I'm doing, but uh, I don't I don't need to be pushed forward on that here. That's, that's <laughs> just like fun work. <laughs> Stuff you do anyway. Yep. Yes. Uh, and... I'd like to push forward the the marketing project. I think I'd like to I'd like to show you next time we talk the list of people who I'm going to be focusing on. So, uh having done the work of figuring out like who the most valuable cohort is and sorted them on some metric of they're paying me a lot so they're using the product and they're actively using it. It's not just a seasonal thing. Uh, and I'd like a list of, I don't know, like 20 people to start with, to start booking calls with. Um, so I want that list and I want to have worked for one Pomodoro per weekday on pushing forward the new serverless transition. That sounds great. Cool. I think that's an episode. All right. Talk next week. Talk next week.